Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems adopt technologies. I am your host, Tiasha Zaitz, and this is a special episode of the podcast. On April 9th, Slovenian health tech community HealthDay.si and Faces of Digital Health organized a webinar about healthcare innovation funding in times of COVID-19. We asked for experts from Slovenia, Italy, Germany and Israel to join us in the discussion about the effects of pandemic on health tech business. What you will be able to hear is the webinar adopted for radio. The event itself had three parts. First, Levi Shapiro, Israeli investor, founder of MHealth Israel, made an overview of the current trends in health tech and his predictions from 2020 to 2025. Secondly, Nana Bita Ragim, digital health business architect, talked about new funding models in her title Collaboration, New Possibilities to Create, Co-Create and Rethink Healthcare Business. And then we continued with a debate about the impact of COVID-19 on health tech with Levi Nana, Italian investor Giovanni Loser, the CEO of BioValley Investments Partners, and Slovenian executive Blas Triglo, the CEO of Mediately. I divided the webinar into podcast episodes, so in this first one you can listen to the presentations of Levi and Nana, and in the second one the panel discussion. The panelists agreed that tough times are ahead and offered their advice as to where opportunities lie and how existing companies should adopt to survive the upcoming economic crisis. So now, let's start with the presentation of Levi Shapiro, which was titled Backcasting, How COVID-19 Impacted Digital Health Investments 2020-2025. He divided the key trends in six segments. Bioconvergence, a big wave of investments focused on the integration of biology with a variety of disciplines from AI, physics, computation and nanotechnology. Secondly, he predicted that pharma will be king at least for the short term. He also elaborated concrete reasons for the spike of remote medicine and what impact the crisis will have on the future adoption. His fourth prediction was the decline of direct-to-consumer models. And Livy also believes that providers will step back from investing for a while. His sixth prediction or observation is that many opportunities lie in hospital supply chain and IT management, which have shown all their vulnerabilities during this crisis. You can find the summary of the whole webinar or the webinar recording on our website www.facesofdigitalhealth.com. I added the direct link in the show notes. A few more words about Levi Shapiro before his recording. Levi is an entrepreneur, investor and founder of MHealth Israel, which is a non-profit supporting Israel's health tech, health IT and medtech startup community and has more than 7,000 members. Levi holds several board positions and is a retained advisor by prominent global healthcare organizations. He runs the digital health program in the Biomed MBA at Hebrew University, where his course is available for e-learning. This was his talk.
I want to talk about the impact of COVID-19 on digital health investment. And the approach is what I call backcasting. So instead of forecasting, suppose we were looking back in 2025 of how COVID-19 impacted digital health investment. I'd like to cover about six trends that I've come up with and go into some explanation and examples from each one of those. Before I start, I should mention I'm based in Israel by at least uh, the count of one resource, which is Startup Nation Health and Health IL. There are somewhere between 70 to 80 Israeli companies currently harnessing technology to combat COVID-19. And these represent where the real opportunity is. Speed is the advantage. And companies that already have a product in the wild, that already have safety, quality, efficiency proven, in fact, FDA approval, they have a real advantage. And so this is spanning clusters like remote monitoring and home care, social and mental health aspects, protection, prevention, uh, as well as diagnostics, decision support, many, many different companies, even those that were oriented in a very different direction, but can apply their technology and their tools toward addressing this immediate problem. I think some of those companies will find a market for their products. Moving to the, the six trends in terms of uh, impact on digital health investment, I wanna talk about uh, first and foremost, a real transition in terms of moving out of investment silos and moving towards convergence. And we're, I'm actually calling this theme bioconvergence. In other words, to date, we've seen companies that were purely digital health or purely med tech or purely pharma. And I would like to propose that there will be a big wave of investment focused on the synergy, the integration of biology with a variety of disciplines, whether it's artificial intelligence or physics or computation or nanotechnology, electronics, advanced materials, etc. This trend towards a converged technology that brings enough efficacy so it's a vast improvement over whatever is available currently. I think that is a very interesting direction and we'll see a lot more investment flowing towards bioconvergence. The second theme that I look as I see impact of COVID-19 on digital health investment is the prominence of the pharma and biotech categories. For the last few years, it's been a lot of investment coming from sources that were not the pharmaceutical companies looking at the capital markets, looking at the public markets. Right now, the value capture is flowing towards the publicly traded pharmaceutical and biotech companies. These are the companies that will come out of this crisis as heroes. Until there's a vaccine, globally, we have a COVID-19 crisis. 
So some of the political issues about drug pricing, about the intellectual property, some of those issues will become less important and pharma for the short term will be king. My point is your organization needs to find a way to play nice with pharma. They will represent by far the largest portion of value capture in the health sector. The medtech manufacturers, on the other hand, might be a very different story. The medtech manufacturers are dependent on health systems. Health systems are at the moment dealing with overload. Elective surgery is basically on hold. And so for the next few quarters, there may be uh, an impact on the equity price and market cap of the medtech sector, meaning they're less likely to have capital available for acquisitions or early stage investments. So first major trend, bioconvergence. Second major trend, pharma is king. The third trend that I'd like to point out and many others have also identified is the spike in demand for remote medicine, which is essentially balancing two priorities. One is a high level of medical care balanced with minimizing physical contact. So how do we deliver the highest level of Medicare with basically contactless interaction is a COVID challenge, but frankly is also a challenge in a number of sectors. And I'm going to point out uh, some areas that are definitely clearly lacking remote tools or adequate remote tools. Digital mental health. I think we're going to have a second pandemic. There'll be uh, healthcare providers with PTSD. We will have a huge spike in demand for digital mental health. I also think we radically need to rethink care for the elderly. This is an unregulated sector. It's been an epicenter of COVID-19 contagion. We need to bring more digital tools, more remote monitoring and other tools. In addition to uh, all the other subsectors, I think elderly care, mental health, two of the main areas I would encourage looking at. I think the doctor of the future is going to be probably spending more and more time in front of a variety of screens, tracking, monitoring, and intermediating a variety of screens, almost like a trader on a, uh, a financial desk, a very different model from physicians today. But this is exactly how COVID is being addressed. Contactless screen-based interaction that crosses the various stakeholders with, with engagement for family, engagement with the patient, engagement with uh, pharmacy and e-prescription, etc. So these remote technologies have often been limited in scope, meaning they might do one aspect of the engagement very well, but frankly could be a little bit better in terms of a holistic approach. So the three areas I'm looking for for uh, remote medicine excellence, there should be a tool for monitoring, of course, 
There should be a tool for physical examination, which ideally is some sort of FDA-approved procedure, device, tool, etc., and communication. Communication is absolutely essential in order to ensure that the uh, remote medicine is reaching the key stakeholders. A good example of a company that was in the wild and ready to go when this crisis landed is Taito Care. And Taito announced a new round this week. This week being early April 2020, they raised a, a new $50 million round because they were ready. They have a, um, several FDA-approved uh, digital diagnostic tools. They are deployed. And this company, like other uh, winners in the space, I believe recognizes they are a services company rather than a technology company. By that, I mean they were able to quickly stand up a tool to help especially Israeli hospitals provide in-hospital telehealth, a completely new concept with control rooms where quarterbacks can engage the different stakeholders. As a result, these are the companies that are ready for that wave of funding. Titocare raised $50 million. Uh, another remote medicine solution that raised money this week in Israel is called Air Doctor, which raised $7.8 million. And Air Doctor essentially uh, connects travelers with local doctors, wherever people may be traveling. Interestingly, the investors were insurance companies. So both the Taito round, which was done by more institutional later stage capital, in that case, Insight, which only does growth deals, and Qualcomm, which prefers later stage. And then for the Air Doctor deal, it was funded by AXA. They have a venture fund, Kamet Ventures, and Phoenix, which is also a publicly traded insurer. So, you know, again, I've covered a couple of key Trends, predictions, I'd say, uh, backcasting, the idea of bioconvergence, the idea of pharma as the dominant player in terms of value for the short term in healthcare, uh, the idea that remote medicine is really about to spike. And I want to mention a couple of more, one of which is direct to consumer. Direct-to-consumer absorbed 21% of funding, according to Rock Health, between 2011 and 2019. So there was a huge wave of investment dedicated to direct-to-consumer models. During the COVID crisis, we've seen that those companies, in many cases, have been irrelevant. For example, testing. The FDA has not approved and permitted um, sort of direct-to-consumer home swab tools. I think we're going to see a flight to safety, quality, and efficiency rather than convenience. I think the public sector is going to reorient priorities in terms of spend, and direct-to-consumer models will have a more difficult time. So this is just simply my perception but I believe we're going to see a, a decline of direct-to-consumer business models. 
hospitals. Let's look at what are, what lies ahead for hospitals. It has not been easy for hospitals over the last few years. The number of hospitals contracts every year. It reduces. Average margins across community health centers, not-for-profit and for-profit health systems is somewhere around 2.4% for 2019. And those margins are much higher for the for-profit and get smaller as you move to uh, not-for-profit or community. So over the last few years, the provider community has seen a spike, a real increase in the number of corporate venture capital funds run by providers and making direct health investments. My prediction is that hospitals will retreat from the venture game, certainly in the next couple of years, that new funds are much less likely to be devoted towards CVC when right now it's all hands on deck ensuring the continuity of the business, the core business. More than half of all of the health system linked venture funds are less than five years old. Of course, those with capital will deploy that. But again, I wouldn't expect to see an increase of any type from the providers as CVC general partners. Also, I think there's a good probability that providers will fall back to translational science prioritization, meaning commercializing their own in-house intellectual property rather than seeking investment in outside external innovation. If startups are able to pursue co-development and provide interesting models for providers with, for example, a share of future revenue, that may overlap with this prioritization of in-house intellectual property. There will still be major players. Kaiser Permanente is something like uh, 65 deals over the last 20 years. Cleveland Clinic is very, very extensive and and building out of its initial Cleveland Clinic uh, innovations. However, I think providers will retreat from the venture game. An area that startups may want to consider relating to hospitals is supply chain and IT inefficiency. Hospitals actually employ more staff generally than nearly any other sector. Hospitals are very human dependent in clinical practices. It's something like uh, three to four staff per physician doing nothing but administration. We're seeing tremendous inefficiency at the administrative level, but the COVID crisis has really emphasized the fragility of the hospital supply chain. So what we see, we see a lack of supplies. We see expired products at the time of an emergency. So many different quality issues related to supply chain inefficiency. About uh, 20 to 25% of physicians' time is devoted to hospital supply chain. And these systems are not evolved to where they ought to be. So startups 
this is a big fat problem that is costing time and money, solve it. Go ahead and solve it. Right now, many large hospitals simply, in order to reduce their expenses, became their own warehouses and distributors. And one, that's inefficient, and two, that makes it even more difficult for the smaller hospitals to stay competitive. Everyone should be finding technical solutions to increase their hospital supply chain inefficiencies. And so this last point about hospital supply chain, I'll make a couple of more comments. It is truly unaddressed at scale. So for example, can your startup create a solution for better supplier engagement? So for example, risk transparency and order management, ensuring suppliers meet qualifications, other areas, inventory management, operations, demand management, logistics, revenue cycle management, we're seeing a few examples of that. There's been some funding here in Israel, an annex round with uh, NimHealth, autonomous medical coding for revenue cycle optimization. Last month, there was an integration of IT resources, uh, an acquisition of Orpheus Medical by Intuitive Robotics, the parent company of DaVinci. Orpheus Medical is an informatics platform for surgeons to basically share and archive and capture video and other images into one repository that's been tagged and basically is available for value-added services. So we're seeing funding, we're seeing acquisitions. It's just extremely selective and it is basically looking at a new direction for investment. And I think we're gonna look back at COVID-19 as, as an inflection point, and the investment community and targets will evolve considerably relative to what we saw in the last wave, which was more oriented towards big data, cloud, AI, bundled for personalized medicine. Innovation is not only happening in technological and scientific space, but also in fundraising and financing. Nana Bita Rogim is a physician scientist and digital health business architect with a focus on radical innovation. In the past, she had successfully developed and executed a broad scope of networking platforms and innovation programs between NGOs, SMEs and Academia at Charité Foundation, German Hub of Singularity University and many other activities. In her talk at the webinar, she argued that fostering community, not competition, is the new survival strategy for health tech companies. Her talk was titled Collaboration, New Possibilities to Create, Co-Create and Rethink Healthcare Business. It is fascinating how much we can learn about the present, past and future, which are coming almost together at this current moment. It is also time of big strategies across the world. But it's amazing time to learn how a crisis can accelerate decisions that should have taken a long time ago, but were postponed or rejected while the situation was much beneficial than now. 
As Brad Belhead, CEO of Mapu uh, company from Toronto, has well put together, I would say, do we really need a crisis or disasters to recognize a value of health technology applications? At the same time, now we're facing an incredibly great opportunity to innovate and transform, especially in healthcare. I fully agree with my fellows at Mars Innovation Hub in Toronto. Fostering community, not competition, is the new survival strategy for everyone. Here are some nice examples from the tech scene in Ontario, Canada. How, for example, some HR companies are building a money-free markets or partnerships to support each other and the worldwide community to find the next job opportunity. Another example is a Toronto-based um, Tilburg company, which is now offering free vendor reports to any organization worldwide looking to find a new suppliers. That is why I think collaboration or competition is the new way to go. Collaboration is a mixture of two nodes, collaboration and competition. It basically describes the situation where businesses competing in the same market to collaborate, to help promote the joint market share rather than compete. Levy has mentioned pharma is king. I would say biotech is king, as we're currently observing a new balance of power. Here's an example of why. Cyclica is a Toronto-based biotech company, which is decentralizing the discovery of medicine by leveraging artificial intelligence and computational biophysics. To support researchers across the globe, Cyclica has recently launched a stimulus plan for all who have been affected by COVID-19. The next example is coming from Europe. The Danish company Immunitrack has published open access uh, 174 epitopes, offering biotech and pharma community a faster and effective way in producing vaccines against SARS-CoV-2 virus. At the same time, a global scientific community is offered a unique chance to value impact of open access on research and technology development. And the next example is about Structural Genomic Consortium, a non-for-profit organization which accelerates research by making all its research output available to the scientific community without no strings. An absolutely different and powerful model of generosity empowered by a network to build a sustainable innovation within the woman-led ecosystem comes from Canada as well. This is a SHEO concept which represents women investors investing or donating into women-led ventures interest-free to support female entrepreneurship at global scale. I think this is an amazing example of community-driven economic model, which can be applied everywhere else to support any industries and local communities. As it has never happened before, Currently, we are observing a huge boom to catalyze innovation by crowdsourcing and building agile partnerships. In the previous weeks, I participated in different hackathons and I enjoyed a lot working with the worldwide communities. And the next call is coming this weekend. Um, the Easter Hark is organized by Hacking Health Community Berlin. And I would encourage you to try and participate and try to build something from scratch with this amazing community. If biotech is king, telemedicine is queen. Finally, and eventually, a change in regulation has opened up German market 
for telemedicine. And here we can see a massive adoption this technology by primary care physicians. Um, I listed you some nice examples of the most leading telemedicine startups in Germany, Switzerland, and Canada. And I think this is they are the big winners uh, in this situation. And um, so I would definitely encourage you to look at in uh, and these companies. So how about the finding opportunities? Um, I selected a couple of interesting calls, and I think that would be. Um, that would be uh, interesting opportunities um, offered by public, private, corporate funds. Um, significant European funding has been made available for work, especially on SARS-CoV-2, including the European Commission within the Horizon Europe and other sources. Please check the available web resources and current calls. I think um, one of the interesting opportunity is coming um, out from the fast track opportunity funding offered by European Open Science Cloud. German government and especially the Ministry of um, Education and uh, Research uh, is investing massively in developing new vaccines, diagnostic and potential uh, treatment. Uh, against COVID-19. Also, the ministry, the Federal Ministry of uh, Economy and Financing also developed um, a huge fund to support uh, startups' um, ecosystem in Germany. Interesting uh, call comes and opportunities coming from different corporates, and one of them is also the um, global company SAP, which established um, a free million emergency fund. And I would just encourage everyone else working in a software business um, and related to healthcare. So look for opportunities, look for um, this application and partnerships with SAP. So it probably will be a very interesting um, chance to uh, develop something long term. Um, uh, out of the different calls, I selected the Creative Distraction um, Rapid Response Innovation Program. It was announced just a few days ago, and this is one of my favorite concepts of company building um, uh, ecosystem um, model. Uh, Creative Distraction Lab, based in Toronto, and uh, of offers um, amazing, unique opportunity of uh, mentoring program. And uh, if you are in, in working in the area of emerging technology, um, Internet of Things, and um, have interest in um, early stage products, so I would definitely um, encourage you to apply for this program. The program is highly competitive, but there is a great chances to... Um, uh, become uh, worldwide leader in the next few years, uh, thanks to this program. So today I have tried to cover and share with you some examples of how to sustain and get through this difficult time. But in the same time, I was uh, looking to uh, demonstrate a couple of exa examples how to be innovative and entrepreneurial in this difficult time. In fact, uh, once the pandemic will pass, we definitely will be likely to look back at this crisis at, um, as the moment where existing trends, I strongly believe, fundamentally reshaped the landscape of global health and care and life sciences. So I think um, we are kind of rewriting um, the future scenario. 
when the wild card is the new normal. So I wish you to stay healthy and optimistic. Thank you. You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health and the first part of a special episode about financing in times of COVID-19. Tune in to the next episode as well, where you will be able to hear a panel recording of the webinar and how healthcare startups are preparing for survival in the next months and what experts say about predictions in health tech development in the upcoming years. Tune in.